When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hey, Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that. And you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss the Eagles' gritty Sunday night football win over the 49ers. We're going to ask, is Carson Wentz back? And then we're going to talk about the young guys who stepped up. Are they a flash in the pan or role players moving forward? Chris, how you doing after last night's win? Well, first I'll I'll say this. I guess today's adjective is satisfied because actually it it was actually good to see them actually get their first win. And we know for sure that they won't finish 0-16 or 0-15-1. So it was was a pretty, pretty, uh, as you say, it was a good gritty win. And now it's going on to the Steelers. Yeah, uh, I guess if the bar is set that low, they're clearly not having that great of a season. But um, I came away with actually a lot from this game. I thought uh, it was a really strong performance by the Eagles as a group. You know, they come in missing uh, four guys that they ruled out. They put Jason Peters on injured reserve on Saturday. They made three bottom of the roster moves to promote guys from the practice squad. They elevated two guys from the practice squad. I mean, this was kind of a mess on paper coming into this game and they were able to win and while the score was 25-20 I thought they won convincingly at no point in the game uh to give you guys some background on being a writer um I wrote my story basically I was done with my story basically uh I want to say like five minutes into the game after the Alex Singleton uh interception for a touchdown um and yeah, the the 49ers came back and scored a touchdown uh, on the other side of that. But to me, when you can win by at least, you know, four points in a game that comes down to the fourth quarter, I, I just thought it was a convincing all-around win. I don't think there were a lot of, like, mirages in this, which we'll get into a little bit later. But Chris, I wanted to ask you, you know, you did a QB report card for Carson Wentz. Um I think we're on the same page with him, but I wanted to kind of get your expanded thoughts on, on what you thought about his performance against the 49ers. 
Well, I think uh, I think if you ask a lot of people, and myself included, that was easily his best game of the season, which is not saying a lot compared to what they were, what we've seen in the past. I think when you look at, he used his legs a lot more this time, and I think when he the fact that he used that it set up so much stuff. I think the one thing I thought that was really encouraging they used that read option, and it was great to see it because a lot of times these teams go ahead and they just fake. You just pretty much know the running backs going to get it. They, they've Give it to the run, if give it to the running back, and then he's off he goes, and the quarterback just pretty much stands there and just watches and becomes a spectator. Well, the one thing I think Wentz did was he actually go ahead and he kept it, and he saw I think he picked up like eleven yards off that one read option, which was actually really encouraging to see. They moved, they rolled him out. He went, he looked like he was more comfortable. He was seemed like when he was rolling out a little bit more, he seemed to to have a little bit more better accuracy. There's still some issues that he has when it comes to uh hitting. I don't know what it is, but hitting people in, out in the flat or running backs going across the middle within 10 to 15, 10 to 15 yards, he still sees has issues with that overall. But I think he, sh- he showed a little bit more touch on his deeper throws as uh, evidenced by that 42-yard Travis Fogum touchdown pass. And I think he he's still with that cast of characters he had with Fogum and John Hightower and Rich Ro- Richard Rodgers. He was able to go ahead and spread the ball around very well and, and – and, not focus so much like he used to in the past on Zach Ertz. He actually spread the ball around, which spread the San Francisco defense around. But overall, I think he still has a ways to go to being Carson Wentz, say, circa 2017. But I think if he continues to build on this, he can at least go back to being top 15 quarterback, which you wish you shouldn't be saying about a guy like Wentz. But if he gets, if he continues to go on that trajectory, he can give you back to the top tier, top half of the quarterbacks in this league. Well, I think what's interesting about his performance is, the, especially the last two weeks, is when you, you look at what he's accomplished, he's run for over 100 yards and two touchdowns in the last two weeks. Um, yes, people know how mobile he is in the pocket. Yes, people know how great he was as an athlete in 2017. But really, he wasn't like a defined runner like this. Like, they weren't they weren't using him as a runner, and he wasn't taking off as much as he... I mean, look, he, he ran seven times last night. Um, And that's, you know, he's a guy that his mobility right now is his greatest asset. I I, I think he's, he's also his vision down the field as he's running has kind of improved as well. He's not taking as many hits. He's, he's being smart with the football. He's getting down when he needs to. I thought, you know, we, we spoke about this on Thursday, but I thought there was some positive to take away from him in the Bengals game. He further expanded on that in this game. I thought he kept his eyes down the field. Like you said, he didn't lock on to to targets. He threw the ball away at times. Um, he realized when a play wasn't there. There were a couple of plays where it did seem like he held onto the ball for quite too long. But um, I thought overall, you know, he only took eight QB hits in the pocket. He took two sacks. Um, and like you said, his ragtag cast of characters, like this guy threw to John Hightower, Richard Rogers, Travis Fulgham, Greg Ward, uh, and Adrian Killens of all people. So like, you know, it's not like he was out there with anybody notable other than Zach Ertz, who, by the way, only caught four passes for nine yards. Uh, it was not a great showing for him as he watched on the other side and, and George Keitel uh, went 15 of 15 for 183 yards and a touchdown. That said, look, I think uh Carson Wentz deserves a lot of pats on the back for this this game. I mean, look, he threw that inter- ugly interception early on, but the, it looked like the ball was kind of tipped. Um, 
you know, he needs to, you know, he's already got seven interceptions. He threw seven interceptions in all the, the last three seasons and that was it. So obviously the turnovers are still there. He's got four touchdowns and seven interceptions on the season. He's got to clear that up, but yeah, overall I I'm on board with you. I think he played pretty well moving on to the running game. Um, it was not a banner night for, for the running backs. Um, Miles Sanders didn't look good out there. Uh, he rushed for 46 yards on 13 carries. Clement ran twice for three yards. Boston Scott ran twice for one yard. Uh, the Adrian Killens trick play went for negative 12 yards. Uh, Jalen Hurts ran three times for 18 yards. He had another fumbled snap. Um, I don't know what it is with this running game, but it seems like a Jekyll and Hyde effect. What, what's your take on it? Do you think it was partially due to like the makeshift offensive line and them gelling as well? Well, I think it, that I think that had a little bit to do with it when it came to communication with the offensive line. But one thing that seemed to happen was the Eagles were getting good. The, the holes were there. And I think when they stuck with the run early on, I think that they actually did all right. I think they were able to move the ball effectively via the run. The one thing that stopped was there's a sequence. I think it was early in the uh, third quarter when he first came out. They, they ran, they threw the ball seven times. And when you have, they were, the one thing I really thought that the game plan dictated itself was that they were, especially with a young line, they were going ahead and being aggressive with the run block. And they weren't, keep, they weren't continually absorbing a lot of these pass with the rush of the 49ers. But it seemed like, it, it seemed like once they figured out, hey, you know what, Carson Wentz is, having one of his better games, they decided, okay, yeah, I guess we could throw the ball, keep throwing the ball. And when you go ahead and do that, I think it, it took a, some of that aggressiveness away from that offensive line. And I don't know what's going on. And especially Sander said he was fine, even though he was on the injury list with a glute, with glute and he wound up being fine. I don't know if there's still some lingering effects from that. I, I don't know on that. And the one guy I just, I don't know what's going on with, but I had high hopes with, and now through four, four games, I'm kind of, questions like what's going on Boston Scott I mean it just seems like he's not like the same Boston Scott we saw through the end of last year and and I don't know if they have to find ways to go ahead and infect him I know he's not the number one guy but I I don't know what's going on with him and he's he's got we knew he had the uh he has a skill I just want to see the Eagles try to be more creative and find more effective ways to use him in there yeah I mean look I think you're right on the you know the head look he Miles Sanders doesn't really have a lot of relief here. Uh, Boston Scott isn't seeing holes. The screen game isn't really working for him. Clement has been kind of, kind of made us look dumb because we've, we've pra- we praised him so much in training camp. Um, I, they brought in Killens who, you know, they used in pre-snap motion almost exclusively until like the, the later half of the fourth or, or the later half of the, um, the game. But uh, that seemed to work early on. It seemed to grab the attention just because he's so fast. Um, they just had him come out from wide left and, and run to his right uh, behind the line before the snap. Um, and then they got kind of cute with the running game, and I didn't really understand what they were trying to accomplish in the fourth quarter. Um, they set themselves up with two really long second and longs uh, right out the gate with a really bad uh trick play to Adrian Killens. Um, then they they had the fumbled snap with Jalen Hurts. Sometimes, you know, I read my notes originally, you know, they're getting creative and sometimes you can be a little too over creative when you're feeling yourself. And that's kind of how I felt um, with the creative plays in this one. Uh, look, Travis Flugum is a story here. Um, 
you know, you and I saw him during training camp. He was a late addition, but he caught everything in sight. And, you know, he's one of those success stories, even if this is just his big moment. Um, what did you think of his performance last night? I think especially when it's coming from a guy, like you said, coming from the practice squad who, by all intents, by all accounts, it felt like we weren't going to see him at all this year, even with all these injuries. I thought he came in and, and at a key moment, he stepped up and he performed very well. I think when you looked at the uh, his size, is just something you can't teach size. I think we he's able to go ahead and leverage his, his body. It was a great throw. He's like leverage his body. I think if they go ahead and use him a little bit more, especially with a lot of their bigger possession receivers being out right now in Alshon Jeffrey and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, they can carve a little niche to go ahead and help out. I, I don't now. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's going to be a number one and number two, or quite frankly, a number three receiver in this league. But I think if he could go ahead and continues to go ahead and make catches and continues to be trusted by Carson Wentz, I think he can go ahead and be a bottom of the roster type guy who can contribute here and there, almost like a almost like what we've seen from time to time with Deontay Burnett. I think. I think for Fogum, he's going to have to go ahead and continue to build, especially the next couple of weeks, and he has a good opportunity to prove himself. And uh, if he continues to go ahead and use and catch the ball cleanly with his hands and being a bigger receiver, I think it, I mean, it's, a, it's a good future for him. Yeah, it should be noted, um, you know, you talked about the play, but uh, uh, Fulgham, if you watch the game, caught the 42-yard touchdown bomb from Carson Wentz. It was the big, most explosive play of the season for the Eagles offense. Um Beautiful throw by Carson Wentz. Incredible acrobatic catch by Fulgham to stay in bounds and, you know, collect that touchdown, get to pay dirt. Um, here's something that's notable. So they promoted him from the practice squad. They actually signed him to the 53-man roster while Deontay Burnett was just elevated from the practice squad. Burnett's going to go back down to the practice squad. He wasn't even targeted last night. So, look – They've needed an X-style receiver, a guy who could get off press. As you mentioned, Fulgham has the size. They're still working Alshon Jeffrey back. Arcega Whiteside has a calf injury, but at this point, how do you not play Fulgham over Arcega Whiteside? I, I just, like, look, I'm not, I'm not somebody who really jumps to conclusions. I think I have a little bit more this year just because so much has gone wrong. Um but I think when you have guys who are delivering and, and are stepping up like Greg Ward and, and Travis Flugum and John Hightower, they've earned more reps. So why push J.J. or single white side on the field, especially if he's going through an injury? Like for me, um, you know, Quez Watkins is a guy who's still eligible to return from injured reserve. Deshaun Jackson could return soon. I don't know if J.J. or single white side is active for me uh, moving forward if I'm making the decisions. What, what says you on that one? I think so too. It, 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 how many times have we heard the old adage, "Oh, well, he earned his way onto the field." What has JJ Arcega Whiteside done to earn his way to the field? He's just he's there. He it just seems like he's running routes and he can't find he can't get separation at all. And I know that's not speed is not part of his game, but for somebody who was taken that high and as a second as a second round pick, as somebody who's supposed to be the heir apparent to Alshon Jeffrey, the fact that he can't even he's not even winning those fifty fifty balls. He he's not. He's not really contributing. He doesn't do anything on special teams. He's just basically taking a roster spot, an active roster spot each Sunday when he's actually healthy. And and and, and as you as you uh, you did a great story about uh, if he's one of the uh, if he's one of the uh, worst draft picks of the uh, Howie Roseman era. And, and for me, he is. Uh, I mean, he he's reached that point now. And 
there's I don't, I, it's it's frustrating when he kept it's frustrating because you saw what he was doing in camp, and I know that's not the overall be end all be all when it comes to coming to stuff and and guys are just maybe he's just one of a really good practice player when it comes time to actually live bullets in a game he just doesn't know he just doesn't rise to the occasion and i i, I think it's it's time to move on for our sega white side you're not going to get any value by trade no man it's gonna be i know it's gonna be a bad look but i wouldn't be surprised in 2021 if he eventually gets cut it's just no there's just nothing that nothing there anymore. That nothing you can look forward to when it comes to our second white side. I just put him on IR. I mean, he's dealing with an injury. You can always bring him back if you need to. If he, if you feel like you need to start the 21 day window in three weeks, you know, see what he's got in practice. See how he it takes the you know the back seat. Maybe you know the injury is really you know hurting him. Um, but like, frankly, when you've got a guy coming in off the practice squad and catching two passes for 57 yards and a touchdown, you know, or you're playing guys like Adrian Killens who might get waived in order to bring some other guys back. Uh, Craig Rob, or sorry, not Craig Robinson, from the <laughs> office. Uh, Craig James, special teams ace, is eligible to come back. Um, you know, Will Parks is still eligible to come back. Benny Curry is now eligible to come back. You've got four guys on IR who are eligible to come back to the roster and all of them can be contributors. I don't know why you're keeping, you know, an eighth wide receiver or whatever it is at this point. Here are guys who have caught passes before J.J. Arcega Whiteside this, uh, this season. Travis Fulgham, Richard Rogers, John Hightower, Adrian Killens, Deontay Burnett, I mean, what? Like, <laughs> what are we? What do you do? John Hightower. I'm pretty sure Quez Watkins just caught a pass we don't even know about. Like, <laughs> like, um, it's just not a terrific look. I I brought up Richard Rogers uh, before we turn to the defense. I wanted to mention there was a sequence where he caught three straight passes for first downs. I mean, he he had an impressive afternoon, and you know, as the number two tight end, you've got to make those plays because Zach Ertz is getting bracketed basically all all game. Um, and so I think like Richard Rogers was a guy who showed a lot of potential in green Bay. I think the injuries over the last few years and obviously Dallas Goddard playing over him have kind of, you know, thrown him way out of the spotlight. But um, I, I think last night was a positive showing, especially if Dallas Goddard's going to miss, you know, three to six weeks with this ankle injury. Um, John Hightower again continues to impress me. Look, he's not doing anything spectacular, but he caught a big pass uh, on fourth down uh, out of the slot. I, I, I just think there's some good juju back in in this team. Do you agree? I think it shows. I think there's some potential there. I I just want to see more stuff happen long term. I think when it comes to Rodgers, especially with how much this team loves to run twelve personnel, if he I think he can help fill in. He won't. He's not going to be, I think, toward the level of a Dallas Goddard. But I think he can go ahead and seriously contribute. And around there, like here and there, I think. I mean, even last night, three catches, three catches for thirty-five yards. I'll take that out of him, especially given the option, the offense right now for. As you mentioned, with Zach Ertz being bracketed the whole most of the night, I'll go. I'll take that from him. That's no matter what. I, I just really hope that even with all this extra playing time that these guys have, like a Hightower has, like a Rogers has, Fogum, Burnett, I just hope there's somebody who can actually carry that over and become an, a decent fourth, fifth option on this offense, especially 
especially when you get your guys like a Jeffrey, uh, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson and uh, eventually Jalen Rager back. I mean, now you have Greg Ward. And he, he was, he's still, he still becomes like, he's become the de facto safety blanket for, for Carson Wentz when uh, Ertz is covered up. But I, I think if you have another option, I just think to go ahead and get, it has another level of, and gives defenses something else to think about. So they have to have, if with all these injuries, if any silver linings to come of this, somebody has to come away and, and step up to be a for a good fourth or fifth option for Wentz. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, so let's get into, you know, you're the offensive guy. I'm the defensive guy. Let's get into my favorite <laughs> thing from last night. Okay. Uh, we hounded the Eagles about not creating turnovers. They were one of three teams heading into the weekend without an interception on the season. They were one of two teams without a defensive produced turnover. Well, guess what? That end, that drought ended in dramatic fashion last night. Uh, Jannard Avery, who we have openly mocked on this podcast in, in writing, or at least the trade for him. It's not his fault necessarily because he's been misused, but, um, he had himself a game, five quarterback hits and a sack, but his biggest, uh, you know, contribution was the hit that he put on Nick Mullins to force an arid throw, uh, that was picked off by Rodney McLeod in the second quarter in the red zone, taking points off the board. You know, this is a five point game. If that led to a field goal, we might be talking about a completely different game heading into the second half because the Eagles are playing from behind in a way that, you know, they need more scores. Um, You know, from there in the fourth quarter, huge play. Uh, Craven LeBlanc's nickname is Strap. Uh, He once told Rasul Douglas on Eagles.com that uh, the reason why he's named Strap is because when he goes up against a wide receiver, they get the strap. Well, let me put it this way. Uh, Nick Mullins got the strap last night on a, on a well-executed corner zone blitz, um, knocked the ball out of Mullins' hands. Uh, Malik Jackson was able to recover the fumble. Huge play that led to points. Um, and then you look at uh, the – I called it the Coupe de Gras uh, last night. Alex Singleton, who's considered mostly a special teams ace, who had played 11 snaps of defense in the two years he'd been with the Eagles prior to this game, comes in for TJ Edwards, who suffers a hamstring injury and does not return, gets thrown a pass like almost directly to him. And we all know that in moments like that, you're sometimes so stunned that the ball's coming directly to you that that you could drop it easily. Um, I spoke to Alex's mom after the game and she said you know he's got a history of dropping catches there's a family joke that he needs stickier gloves and you know what like she was running (laughs) on the treadmill when he caught this pass or caught this interception and the two of them simultaneously were gaining ground together uh, 340 miles apart um he returned it for 30 yards for a touchdown the former cfl defensive player of the year showed kind of his speed and his instincts uh, and his vision kind of after the catch there um, this was huge. This trio of turnovers, as we know, tr- turnovers come in bunches. And not only did they come in bunches, the Eagles needed every single one of these. They won the turnover battle. Uh, Wentz obviously had the interception early on, but you see how big of a difference the turnover battle makes when the Eagles are on top here. Um, they won by five points, but really, um, the game was out of reach once Singleton scored. Uh, and I think, 
it's something to build on from there. We'll get back to Singleton in a second, but I want to talk about the defensive line, who I thought had an absolutely dominant night. Um, what did you take away from pass rush, at least last night? Okay, just before I go into pass rush, I just want to – I'm going to try and get this. You're allowed to take the ball away from the other team, and it's a good thing. I, I didn't know you could take the ball. I haven't seen a turnover this – like that many turnovers from defense, so I was shocked that they actually got a couple. The quite, the, quite the lesson learned, huh? <laughs> I learned something today, huh? Yeah, okay. It's good <laughs> but, to know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but getting back to the pass rush, I think th- it seems like this this defensive line is starting to find its groove uh, between itself. I mean – I never thought saying be saying Jannard Avery of all people was actually had a good game. I mean, five quarterback hits. Anytime you can put that much pressure and you keep you keep hitting a quarterback like that, it's going to affect it. You start getting in quarterback's head. Quarterbacks don't quarterbacks definitely don't like to get hit. You know, we, we, we that's why we get all the uh, different uh, rules coming our way. So the fact to see Jannard Avery was able to go ahead and apply pressure. Derek Barnett had another good game. Looks like he's full. Look, he's fully recovered from his injury. And I think when you look at the middle of this line, when you saw Fletcher Cox and Malik Jackson, the way those two te- those two played again, it's it gives. It, I think it starts to wear down these offensive lines, and to see them constantly go ahead and get pressure, the only good things can happen for the back uh, for the back seven can only help them when it comes to that pass rush uh, for the uh, in pass coverage as well too. So I think if they continue to go ahead and get this, get the amount of pressure that they've been getting lately i think you can start to see possibly more uh turnovers on a regular occurrence the main thing is going to be is they keep coming in these two waves of of, of lines they keep throwing it against these offensive lines yeah i saw brandon gowden uh, uh bleeding green nation tweet this out just a couple of moments ago in the first two games the eagles had four sacks 11 and a half tackles for loss and 12 qb hits in the last two games they have three sacks 17 and a half tackles for loss and 33 qb hits that's going to help you. They had eight last eight sacks last week, five sacks this week. And it's not just the defensive line. Like we brought up, Craven LeBlanc got in there for a strip sack. Um, Avery's kind of a hybrid player. He got free. Um, you know, Hassan Ridgeway showed us some stuff. Javon Hargrave got to the quarterback. This was an overall great performance from this defensive line. I, I just think when you look at this entire group, they're, like you said, they're hitting their stride. Vinny Curry is now eligible to return. Josh Sweat has produced a sack in three of the last four games. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Graham didn't get a sack last night, but gee, he is one of the best run defending defensive ends in the league still. Uh, I can't believe I said gee. Um, <laughs> gee golly, guys. Brandon Graham was out there doing some stuff. I, look, I, I think they're finding creative ways to send guys on blitzes last week. Jalen Mills had a sack and a half. Um, you know, I, I noticed Kayvon Wallace, who they had started safety, uh, used on a couple of blitzes. Like, they sent guys around. And I just think, you know, when you have two guys that are known for getting sacks and Malik Jackson and Fletcher Cox, who aren't really dominating, at least on the stat sheet, and you have other guys contributing, that's showing their contributions because those guys are getting double teamed. And then you've got guys, you know, attacking from the edge. That's what you wanted to see. That's part of the reason why um, Philip Daniels was not retained here. And if you look at what Matt Burke's doing, he's whatever he's doing, he's teaching really good technique. Guys are getting off the ball really fast. The defensive front is working, you know, and I think that that's going to lead, like you said, to more turnovers. Let's talk about the linebackers because this is such a, 
this is such a bizarre situation. It's like we know that they don't really invest in linebackers, but what does Nate Gary actually do? What, <laughs> what can you take away from the last four games and say Nate Gary brings this to the offense? Um, he's repeatedly missing tackles. Like easy, not easy tackles. There's no such thing as an easy tackle, but he's missing like textbook elementary tackles like last night, he, he there were two times where he basically stopped a runner in their tracks at the line of scrimmage and still couldn't make the tackle. Um, and that's that's difficult because he is an undersized linebacker. He isn't a natural linebacker. Uh, he's a hybrid player. And like, I just don't really understand. He's constantly lost in coverage. He calls the plays, but he's also somehow involved in communication errors. Like, what's your takeaway on Gary through four weeks? Nate Gary, aka Mark Seminole Jr., is just being is is frustrating to watch on there. And I'm not going to put all all the blame on him, but I think when you look at, I think there's some other things. I think his his counterpart Duke Riley is equally has been equally as bad. Yes, but I, I think agree. When, it's been it's been horrible. But I just think he has. They, they, there's no, the problem is there's no other option that's out there right now. The only other option I thought of, I thought about even was Nigel Bradham, and I just saw he just signed with the Denver Broncos practice squad. And I'm gonna, we, you know what, I'm gonna cut you off, and I'm gonna disagree with you because I'm gonna bring up your boy. I'm gonna bring up Sean Bradley. <laughs> the kid you know, looked good. He looked good in camp. I mean, look, he he knows the game. He's a smart kid. Also, I brought him up earlier, Alex Singleton. He played 15 <laughs> snaps last night, made two really good run stops, and had a pick six. Like, what more do you need to see? At what point are these guys not – at what point are these guys going to be worse than Nate Gary? That's my question to you. Find a way that these guys could be worse than Nate Gary right now. That's a tough That's a tough thing to find right now. I think he's one of the he, – he, to me, he's one of the worst coverage linebackers out there. Out there. But if you're, Which is crazy because he's yeah. one of the fastest. He's a former safety. What are you doing? It, you know it, what it, I mean? It's, 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 it's mind-boggling. It really is. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think at this point, I know this is going to sound really weird and, and, and bleep backwards, but I would definitely go ahead and, and I'd put Singleton in before, for Duke Riley before I put Nate Gary in there because – Duke Riley, at least with Gary, you know, at least he, you have a shot. At least it was him making a tackle within on the run game. Heading into before heading into uh, this current week, Duke Riley was was one of the led the league in missed tackles. He's one of the league leaders in missed tackles, and you can't have that in linebacker. If you at least if you're going to have trouble tackling, you're going to be have trouble in the run game. At least cover somebody, and we saw he hasn't been able to do that. I think at least with Gary, at least he can help diagnose get the other other defenders in the right positions to go. To the, do their job even if he can't do his own but i think at least he he brings that to the table on sean as for sean bradley i mean we've heard schwartz say that linebackers the toughest way to go and say he's one of two or tougher positions to go to play in his system i mean if i think bradley does have good instincts i think he's more of an outside i think he's more of an outside guy a, a, a true outside guy opposite of 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 gary so i mean you have they have to do something and tj edwards he I, I would have gone to him, but I thought he actually played decently last night. So I'm looking at uh, – it's just frustrating because you, you really have no other options to really – I feel like they really have no other options to go. And with and I think we're going to be stuck by seeing uh, the back of Nate Gary's jersey looking toward the end zone a, lot, a few more unless they find some other way 
to go ahead and get him help or 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 try eventually take him off the field when it comes to passing downs. So you can't really do that. It's it's I I just don't know what this front office was doing, thinking they can get by with this current linebacking core, especially with Gary at the, as a centerpiece. I. I I I just want to talk to her. Howard, just go like, what, man, what were you thinking? <laughs> what to help me help me see what you guys see in Gary? I, I just wish they could do that. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really understand like what the logic was. Like they, it was almost like they could not sign a veteran. Like even bringing in Jatavius Brown, who retired, he wasn't going to cut it either. So let's like get that out of. The, don't be like the, the excuse isn't. Oh well, Jatavius Brown was going to come in and ball. Well, he got benched by. Gus Bradley in Los Angeles pretty quickly last year. Um, moving on to the secondary, Darius Slay needed to co-pilot a corner with Avante Maddox sidelined. They brought in Jalen Mills to play corner. Uh, Kayvon Wallace and, and Marcus Epps kind of shared the strong safety role. I thought Jalen Mills played relatively well last night. I, 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 you know, he's used to playing corner. I don't think it was like that much of a stretch for him. Darius Slay continued to play very well. If you look at what the, the wide receivers did from a receiving standpoint, I mean, uh, Debo Samuel had three catches for 35 yards. Kendrick Bourne had three catches for 33 yards. Brandon Ayuk had two catches for 18 yards. I think you, you're pretty happy with that output. You know, um, they were targeted a total of nine or sorry, 14 times for eight catches. Uh, six, uh, 68 plus 18 would be what? Uh, seven. 86 yards. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's the solid output for wide receivers, but it's very clear that Slay and Mills won the day as far as playing on the outside. Uh, I didn't really notice a lot in the slot. Um, I thought Kayvon Wallace played relatively well. He missed a couple of tackles, but he was going up against George Kittle, who just like manhandled everybody in the secondary. <laughs> Kayvon LeBlanc, Wallace, Gary, uh, Duke Riley, um, Nickel Roby Coleman, Jalen, like everybody took their turn allowing George Kittle to just ride all over them. Again, targeted 15 times, 15 receptions for 183 yards and a touchdown. He had two different quarterbacks throwing to him. Unreal. He is the best tight end in the league. It's not even close. And he proved it last night. Um, that said, they probably went in with the strategy of, okay, cool. Kittle's going to beat us, but we're not going to let anybody else kind of do what they want to do. And I thought that that, if that was the strategy, it definitely worked. What did you think? Yeah, I think, uh, I think you saw them focus. They, well, they tried to go ahead and focus and try to take Kittle out, but he, he just thwarted every single attempt that they tried to go ahead and coverage wise. As you mentioned, K.Y. Wallace, I think for his first start, you think he did okay. There was a, he still has some hiccups that that he had uh, coverage wise, so I think he did all right. I think Jalen Mills safe for that thirty seven yard. I believe it was a thirty seven yard uh, pass he gave up. I think he did. I think he he filled in at cornerback okay. Um, I think I think if it's a short term thing, I think he's more of a natural safety. But as in the short term, if they need to get by for these next couple of weeks, even if Craig James is not able to come back off the injured reserve injured reserve list, I think he's okay. He's he's a decent option given what you have right now with Williams and Avante Maddox being sidelined right now i think of one person i think who really stepped up and he needed to step up as a leader rodney mcleod i mean i mean what can you say i think he was he was he was active he seemed like he everywhere you looked around he was near the ball he, he was very he made active some really good ta- he made some really good tackles too. yeah, yeah game, sorry, oh, one touchdown saving one no you're good there's one touchdown saving one i think he 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 was there i think he was going ahead and uh, i thought he played well you needed 
a veteran back there to go ahead and, and, and step up. And I think he did all right. Roby Coleman, I think he, especially for a slot inside the slot, I think he did all right. I mean, it wasn't bad. And of course, Slay, I mean, it, it's for a second week in a row, it looked like he was about to, he was going to miss some significant time. It looked like with the injury, but he was able to come back, gut it out and did a decent job against Debo Samuel. I mean, the IU, I, the IU thing, I mean, Marcus Epps, I think he, he he's going to want to take him back, in, which I never understood why a lot of these guys, it seems like everybody's so worried about throwing your shoulder in or, try, or trying to go for legs. I mean, and they keep their head down. I think if they kept their head up, a lot of these, a lot of these uh, wide receivers will keep trying to leap over people. I think even with Ayuk's uh, upset vertical that he has, I think he, if, he, if Epps kept his head up, he would have gone ahead and stopped him mid, mid-air. But it's a learning thing, especially for Epps being in, in that situation for the first time and can get a significant run like that. But I think the secondary overall, they they're gelling again. I think we talked about offensive line having different iterations. I think the secondary is going through the same type of thing, and they're going to have. There's a, it seems like they're starting to learn the way each other plays, even though different people being in the line in and out with the lineup due to injuries. But overall, I think uh, it, it, it's promising still, and you start to see. I mean, you had the front the front level defensive line is doing well, the linebackers and eh, secondary to back the secondary is going to find if they find somewhere to do a second level to go ahead and change things i think this defense could actually be, be be formidable and the scary thing is they are they're decent right now i mean if they if they go ahead and work on all the different levels as a unit it, it could be something a, a top tier defense so i wanted to close out by asking you about the usage of jalen hurts he was in there quite a bit uh i didn't think he really disrupted the offense the only time i thought he kind of really had an issue was he fumbled the snap from uh jason kelsey which looked kind of off remember you know uh Hertz is four inches shorter than 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 Wentz so he's going to have a different catch point from the snap um which Kelsey has to immediately adjust for but like is he helping the offense or do you feel like they're getting too cute with him do you think it's time that he starts throwing passes is he too much of a runner is 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 using that running attack too much on tape kind of becoming evident is it time to scare somebody in a different way where where are you at with Jalen Hurts I don't mind if they continue to use him the way they have right now I just I think the timing of when they brought him in especially in the fourth quarter trying to use him when you weren't in like the red zone I think I I questioned the decision to go ahead and bring him in at that point I think he still go ahead I still run him a little bit because I wouldn't bring the passes out to you play somebody like the Cowboys or a game that a game that's going to have even more meaning, especially to say a division game or later in the season. I'd, I'd still just go ahead and use the run options all through. And I know, I know we're talking about Jalen Hurts, but going back to on plays that he actually was in there, Carson Wentz needs to go ahead and watch himself when he tries to throw these blocks because it looked like he got into it. I forget what yeah. corner 49ers quarterback, and he's going to have to go. I know he's trying to be gutted out, and I know the team probably liked it, but – you mess with the wrong. Say you take a Jalen Ramsey, what he did yesterday after one. You don't want Jalen Ramsey or somebody like another cornerback going at him like that. So, I think going back to the Hurts, I think when you go, I, I have no problem with them. If they're going to keep using the type of packages they have for him. I think they just have to go ahead and take a better look at when they actually decide to call these play calls. And I'll keep keep running him with the read options and stuff like that. Keep running him with the in the backfield or, or as a decoy, but not when you're trying to go ahead and over uh, overtake the lead or out by the f- near midfield because it's especially you're changing the flow and the flow of things and 
bad things can happen as evidenced by that uh that snap it's just too many things stay stay in the red zone and go ahead and do that if you're if they're going to remain using the hurts package i agree so you know make sure you guys look a wins in the books right now the eagles lead the nfc east the lowly nfc east uh heading into the second quarter of the season make sure to sign up for eagles extra you can get two weeks free uh we'll send text messages to your phone you'll get all the information without the clutter of social media you can Sign up for that at nj.com slash text. Also, make sure you download our podcast wherever podcasts are available. I'll be in Pittsburgh next weekend. We'll do some fun stuff with our preview show on Thursday and obviously our recap on Sunday. Uh, look, the Steelers are coming off a bye, essentially a bye week. Um, they're undefeated right now, but the Eagles have some some momentum right now. You know, sometimes taking the week off isn't necessarily the greatest thing when you're when you're when you're vibing and you're, and you've got a streak going. So maybe the Steelers kind of come out dry or empty, uh, and the Eagles have the juice. For Chris, I'm Mike. We'll talk to you Thursday. Thanks for joining us on the No Huddle Show podcast.